Welcome to the River Bluff Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy this sermon from Lead Pastor Joe Still. And for more information about us, please visit riverbluff.org. Good morning, River Bluff. It's good to be at the river today. Um, today, as you know, is Father's Day, and we are very happy to see our fathers in the house today. Um, if you are a father, could you please stand? Awesome. Can we give them a round of applause? <laughs> and I know all of you have had, have had those moments like that where you're trying to figure out what you're going to say to your kids, and then it backfires on you a little later. I've, I've had that plenty of times. So, um, well, what I would like to do right now is if you're near one of these fathers, could you walk to them and lay a hand on them as we pray for them? Awesome. Father, um, we seek to you as we are um, lifting up these men, as they fill the role that you've had for them as fathers. We ask that you give them wisdom and guidance in their leadership of their families. We ask that you uh, guide them along the way, lead them as they lead others. Um, we pray that they will walk with you through the Holy Spirit as they continue to uh, grow their families and be spiritual leaders, Lord. Lord, I ask that all those fathers that are out there, uh, rather they're in an occupation where it takes up a lot of their time or they're overseas and, and service somewhere, Lord, um, I pray that you give them protection and their families protection, Lord. Um, I pray for the, father, the fathers in this room and all throughout the, our world, Lord, that they will seek to fulfill their role in the household. Lord, I ask for uh, that, that you bless the fathers that are not able to be with their families, uh, rather through uh, a family dismemberment or, or something like that, Lord, I ask that you would have them uh, be united with their families and fulfill their roles still as a leader of their household, Lord. And I ask that you do all this in Jesus' name. Amen. As we continue to pray, Lord, thank you for showing us your plan for the family and the roles you have ordained for the mother and the father. Thank you for these men who have accepted the role of the family shepherd and are striving to follow your word in leading their families. Lord, in today's world, there are so many challenges and attacks against the family, and we desperately need you to guide us. I pray for strength, protection, wisdom, and discernment as they lead their families and to help them through whatever trials they may be facing. Guard their hearts and minds in Christ Jesus that they might experience your peace that passes all understanding. Lord, create in these men a deep sense of trust in you, knowing that they can count on you to help them lead and protect those who are dependent on them. Protect them from the attacks of the evil one as they daily put on the armor of God you have provided for them as spiritual leader and child of God. 
And fathers, sometimes despite our best efforts as fathers and grandfathers to bring up our children to know you and to do what is right, some still fall away. I pray that we will never give up, but trust you to draw that child back to yourself. Again, Father, thank you for these men who are committed to following you and loving their families. Bless them and their families, and thank you for letting us be such an important part of your plan. Amen. Well, thank you, gentlemen. God bless you. <laughs> Thanks, Billy. God bless you, buddy. Well, happy Dad's Day to all you dads out there. It is a, it's a good day to be a dad. I, I got a text from my son this morning at 532 with a picture. I just showed it to my wife and she almost passed out. Um, he's, uh, he's taking his mountain bike across kind of a waterfall uh, up in the, Swiss, the mountains in Switzerland. He said, Dad, I wish you were here. He just sent it to make me jealous. He knows what he did. The, um, it, uh, and later on today, I get to hang out with my, my daughter and son-in-law and, and grandkiddos. And, uh, so it's going to be a good dad's day. Uh, I hope it's going to be that way for, for all the dads in the house. As, as you, uh, before I kind of get into message time, just a, a couple of things. One is uh, please, 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 please pray uh, as Michelle asked for our, uh, what's going to happen in this building uh, this week with uh, VBS. There's, th this is a very incredible week in, in the lives of kids every year. We see lots of kids make first time decisions for Jesus. And those have ripple effects back into their parents' lives oftentimes. And we see parents make uh, recommitments to Christ because of decisions their children are making. And, you know, the scriptures tell us that a child shall lead them. And we, we have seen that lived out uh, on numerous occasions around here. So please pray fervently. Um, if you would, for the work and, and for the protection, spiritual protection in this building, physical protection in this building, for those who are our, our ministry partner volunteers um, in VBS. Um, also, I hope you had a great Kingdom Sunday experience. Uh, I'd love for you to go on Realm and, and kind of post that. Several people have done that already. Uh, Kathy and I had a great, great Kingdom Sunday experience. We started Saturday night. We went to Hope Church uh, up off of a trolley road. They meet in uh, the Fellowship of Oak Brook's facility. They're, they're, they're only a Saturday night church. And Pastor Rob there is a friend and he's a great, uh, he loves the Lord a whole bunch and they're, they're doing a great work there. Um, Kathy and I went on Saturday night because we were the parking lot attendants on Sunday morning this year. Every year we try to leave somebody in the parking lot to greet those who uh, are first time guests who've never been to River Bluff before and a handful of River Bluffians who forgot that it was Kingdom Sunday. Uh, missed that, you know, announcement. And um, we didn't have many of those this year, uh, thank God. But uh, we did have several first-time guests, some great stories, great, literally great connections that, that took place because of that. Uh, I'm very excited uh, about those who, uh, who, who, who said they were coming back. And uh, it always fascinates me when we, when, if they give us enough time to explain, you know, that the rapture didn't happen and, you know, they didn't get left behind or anything like that, that 
um, it, it's actually, this was a plan. It was something we do, and uh, we do it to bless and to say, you know, it's, it's about you, God, and about your king, not about us. Um, people get really excited about that. We had one young guy, I think it was, he said this was going to be like his second or third time coming to River Bluff. He told us about the church he grew up in, uh, in Columbia, outside of Columbia. And um, he, he, he just talked about the journey here and how he really felt like the Lord was uh, moving him here. He had been in uh, our area for a little over a couple years and had just not found a church home and then recently starting attending River Bluff and what God was doing. And uh, when we told him what Kingdom Sunday was about, he said, I knew that's why I love this church. Um, just one more reason to love this church. He was, he was excited about it. And that, that just does my heart good to see people who capture what we're trying to accomplish on Kingdom Sunday. So I hope you had just an incredible Kingdom Sunday experience. And uh, not just for yourself, but for those you had a chance to bless. I really hope you did get to, to bless some folks. And I would continue to pray for whatever church the Lord, the Lord sent you to um, that day. Now, as you might imagine, because it's Father's Day, I would like for us to go to God's Word and do some thinking about, about dads um, and, and fathers because there are some incredible dad stories in, in God's Word. Um, one of the things I love about uh, th this, this book is that it doesn't hold anything back. That it is a, it's filled with stories of imperfect dads like me. And so that's helpful to me. It's, in, it's encouraging me because it comes from things from a real life perspective. And it helps me realize that, you know, I, I actually stand a, a shot of making it through this life. And maybe, you know, not completely destroying the lives of my kids and my, and my grandkids. That there is hope for someone like me. And I, I want to, before we get into the specific uh, narrative that I want us to look at this morning, I want us to think about some of the other narratives in Scripture and and how they kind of play out. Because again, uh, the scriptures are in, intended for you and I to kind of step into the story of the lives of the people that are, you know, are described, the stories of their lives that are told and their encounters with God. And sometimes we need to think a little deeper. And so every now and then my mind just kind of goes off track from what's actually on the page. And it makes me, makes me wonder some things sometimes about uh, some of these. And so I, I just thought I'd share a few of those uh, with you today, just kind of what it would be like to have been one of these dads or, or, or one of their kids. For instance, did you ever wonder what it might have been like for Isaac shortly after he was almost a human sacrifice? What would it have been like, you know, a month or two later when his dad Abraham came to him and said, Hey son, why don't, we, why don't we go hiking next weekend in the mountains? Don't know I'd want in on that action necessarily, you know? Or, you know, th th think about, um, uh, about Noah. Did, did Noah's dad, Lamech, did, did he ever, maybe when Noah was a little kid, help him build a model ship? You know? Who knows? Um, or, or what about Samson? How old was Samson uh, when he first beat his dad at arm wrestling? 18 months? You know, it says the Spirit of God was on him from birth. Two years? What was that like? You know? Um, or what about Jonah? I don't know this, but just thinking about it. What, did you ever wonder if, if Jonah had kids? Did he ever, like, take them fishing? 
Don't, just don't know. Or, or David, you know, David was this, the, known as the giant killer. He killed Goliath. And, you know, when David was a little kid, did, did he ever get fussed at by his dad, Jesse, for picking up rocks and throwing them? It's good that he was good with rocks. You know, or, or what about, um, let's see, who else could it be? What, what, what about um, Joshua? Do you think his dad ever fussed at him for playing the trumpet around the house? You know, um, it's good that Joshua knew about trumpets. Or what about, um, what about David again? You know, David was a dad and David had a son named Solomon. How do you think David handled answering Solomon's question, Hey dad, how, how did you and mom first meet? Yikes. Wouldn't want to answer that question. You know, there, there are these, these lives that are, are just found throughout the scriptures. And God wants us to step into those narratives, to see them as, as real people, to understand their, their pain, their sorrow, and, and for us to draw from that. And, and though the, God's word is filled with great stories about dads, this book is not mostly about those dads. This book is mostly about our Father in Heaven. That's what this book predominantly points to. All of those other stories fall under the story about the perfect dad, our Father in Heaven. So this morning, I want us to, to step into uh, the scripture that really points back to, to our dad this morning. And I want us to look at, um, you, you know, we get caught up, it's easy to get caught up kind of around Father's Day and the frenzy of trying to find this gift for dad and, um, and, and that kind of thing. This morning, I want us to look at uh, two great gifts, uh, not forefathers on Father's Day, but from our Heavenly Father that he gave to humanity. Now, I'm going to go ahead and tell some of you, for some of you, this is going to be a refresher course. For some of you, this is going to be a, a reminder uh, in a lot of ways. But I'm one of those people, uh, I have to, you know, preach the gospel to myself over and over again. I've got to be reminded of all of the beauty of the gospel so that I will live in it because, you know, I drift. Uh, it, like all of us do, we, we drift. And so I want us to think today about the, the, the wonderful God divinely inspired plan for living life in a certain rhythm. And it flows out of two gifts that God gave during creation. And so I, I want us to see those. And I, I've, I've kind of started out by showing you an, an image of a line. And I'm going to just call it your lifeline for a minute. And on that line, we're going to plant these two gifts that we're going to read about from Genesis chapter 1 and 2. So if you have your Bibles, and you would, I'm going to ask you to open them to, to Genesis chapter 1. We're going to read the entire chapter and a couple of verses uh, in chapter 2. Genesis 1.1. 1, 1. The story begins this way. The accounts of creation. In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. And God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and morning that first day. I want to stop there for just a second because I want to challenge you to do something. 
There are two phrases that are used every single day in the creation narrative. It's going to be used on day one, day two, day, all the way to day six. Two phrases that are used. I want you to see if you can find those two phrases that show up in every creation day uh, in, in the, the narrative here. Uh, I forgot where I was. Let's go with verse six. Um, and God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters and let it separate the waters from the waters. And God made the expanse and separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse. And it was so. And God called the expanse heaven and there was evening and there was morning the second day. And God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. And God called the dry land earth and the waters that were gathered together he called seas. And God saw that it was good. Verse 11, and God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees bearing fruit, in which is their seed, each according to its kind on the earth. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their own kinds, and trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its own kind. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening, and there was morning the third day. And God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years. And let them be lights in the expanse of heaven to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night and the stars. And God set them in the expanse of heaven to give light on the earth, to rule over the day and over the night and to separate the light from darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. And God said, let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of heavens, of the heavens. So God created the sea creatures and every living creature that moves with which the waters swarm according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw it was good. And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters in the sea and let the birds multiply on earth. And there was evening... And there was morning the fifth day. And God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds and the livestock according to their kinds and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. I want to stop there for a moment. We're going to continue reading in just a second. But I want to point out the first gift that we see in the creation narrative. It's that passage in verse 28. It's where God said, so God blessed them. This man and woman that, that he had created. He blessed them. And God said to them, here's what I want you to be. I want you to be fruitful. 
God blessed them with the capacity to flourish. God blessed them with the ability to, to be fruitful, to have meaningful purpose in life. God, God blessed them. He gives this gift of blessing over this. He tells them specifically what that blessing outcome will look like. They will multiply. They will fill the earth. They will subdue it. They'll have dominion over it. That's what the outcome of being fruitful will look like. This, is, this was God displaying this first gift. Let's keep reading verse 29. And God said, Behold, I have given to you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth, and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, and everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made and behold it was very good and there was evening and there was morning the sixth day verse 1 of chapter 2 thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them I want to stop there we're going to read the next two verses in just a second but I want to pause there for a minute because I, I want to see if you picked up on what are the two phrases that show up every day and God said no we all think, I did, I thought it was, and God said, and it was good. And God said, and it was good. And God said, and it was good. Look at day two. It's not in day two. But what is in day two was, and there was evening, and there was morning. And there was evening, and there was morning. I think those two statements recurring every day of creation are significant and really require our attention. Really require that we give that some focus. Now we can't do both of them today. We're going we're gonna to do the second one though. I want us to, to think about that, that rhythm that we see every day in creation. That gives us this, this movement of there was evening and there was morning. And God said that's the first day. And there was we'll talk about that a little more fully in just a second. But I want to get to the second, the second gift. So keep reading in chapter 2 verse 2. And on the seventh day God finished the work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day. Here's the blessing of God again. This is a gift from God. God blessing something. So God blessed this seventh day and he made it holy. It's not like any other day saying it's, this one's different. Because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Now this is the word of the Lord. That second gift is the gift of rest. Now, on our, on our lifeline life here, I've put rest first. And you'll see why in just a minute. Because of the rhythm that God creates here. And I, I, what we're going to add to this is a semicircle. Because there's a movement between these two gifts that create God's perfect plan for his rhythm for the life of his creation. Especially his children. This is actually a rhythm that Jesus came and died for. To get it back for us. And, and I want to point this out. But So I want you to imagine. I, I am a visual person. Most of the men that I know are visual. 
in lots of ways. And so I learn well if somebody will give me a picture, a diagram, or a YouTube video. That's how I get things, okay? Um, give, me, give me something like that. And so what I want to do today is I want to give you an image. Some of you have heard me talk about uh, napkin theology. And it's just drawing tools that are kind of enable you to lay out visually a spiritual truth. And so what I want to do this morning, again for, for some of you this is a reminder, some of you that I've had the opportunity to and some others have had the opportunity to, to, to be discipled using some of these tools, I want to give you this tool today or I want to remind you about this tool and what it really means about the order of life in God's kingdom. God, God's purpose here. Now, uh, some of you know that these, th this shape, this semicircle shape being used uh, out of the creator order was designed by a guy by the name of Mike Breen. And in this, in this um, image, one of the things that you can't see, but I want you to just imagine is that pendulum that's there is moving back and forth. Just like a pendulum would do on a clock, it just mo it's moving back and forth to indicate a rhythm that is the natural order of how God designed for life to be lived. And so I want to think about, once again, just the way that, that the Scripture describes these two great gifts. Because sometimes Scripture uses different words to communicate the same idea. And, and Scripture does so with these two gifts. Over in uh, Exodus chapter 20, some of you will know immediately, that's where the Ten Commandments are. In Exodus chapter 20, in the fourth command, God references this idea of rest. And he commissions it. So, you know, you're, you're saying, well, he, it looked more like he blessed the day and didn't bless us with rest. But look what God does in Exodus 20, describing, pointing back to creation. Exodus chapter 20, verse 8. He says, this is a command, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days shall you labor and do all your work, but on the seventh day is a Sabbath rest to the Lord your God, and on it you shall not do any work. Now, this word that is used all throughout the scriptures, both Old and New Testament, this word Sabbath has to do with rest. But please hear me say this, it is not about getting your Sunday nap. It is about that. That's a part of it. That you, your body gets rest that it needs. But this is, this is so much uh, about so much more. This is about resting in God. This is about having such a deep fellowship and intimacy with knowing God that you just naturally trust him. And God said one of the ways that you and I need to do that is we need to set aside a day weekly when we're focused on that. We'll think more about that uh, in just a minute. There's another word that's related to the idea of fruitfulness throughout Scripture. Um, and I, it shows up here in Genesis chapter 2 in verse 15. It says that the Lord God took the man and he put him in the garden of Eden to do what? Work it. To, to work in the garden. And that's another way of thinking about fruitfulness. And so all throughout scripture you will see the Bible instructing us that th those of us who are, who are God followers, who follow Jesus, we're, we're to do life of good works. And so you'll see there's this kind of synonym of being fruitful and having a life of good works going on uh, in your life. 
And so th- this is the rhythm of life that, that we see. And it, it, it flows through both of these gifts. This, this being, being at rest, experiencing a Sabbath rest, trusting in, in God. And also balancing that with the outflow of that rest becoming fruitfulness. Now what we're going to do this morning, we're not going to spend a lot of time focusing on the second gift. That, that, that work fruitful side of it. We're going to spend most of our time thinking about this, this rest because if we if we switch those if we misplace those if we put if we put trying to be fruitful where rest should be make it the first order of business we're going to we're going to wreck the rhythm of life that God had planned for us remember he put rest prominently in in that big 10 is the fourth commandment he says remember the sabbath day keep it holy do do this rest thing and rest, once again, has much more to do than just taking a nap or, you know, getting good eight hours of sleep. Psalms 127 says this. It says, it is useless for you to work so hard from early morning until late at night, anxiously working for food to eat, for God gives rest to his loved ones. One of the things that God has great desire for you, for me, for, for all of created order is that we would experience rest. We would experience this, this proper Sabbath rest trusting in him. Now I want to, uh, again, pull your attention back to those, those phrases that we looked at um, that were mentioned twice, you know, in each of the days. And I want to focus on that second one. In Genesis chapter 1, we see in verse 5, it says, God called the light day, and the darkness he called night, and there was evening, and there was morning, first day. And then in verse, in verse uh, 8, we see, and there was evening, and there was morning, second day. And, and then in verse 13, we see, and there was evening, and there was morning, and the third day. And you just keep going all, through all six days, and you get to verse 31, the end of chapter 1, it says, And God saw that everything he made, behold, it was very good, and there was evening, and there was morning the sixth day. Now, I want to ask you a question. When do most people believe the day begins? Morning or evening? Morning. We, we believe that the, the day begins in the morning. And how do most of us, how are most of us start our days? There's an alarm clock. You know? Most of us start our days how? Alarmed. Shocked. Scared to death. You know, we, we just start our days that way. That is not God's intent for your day. God's, God has a different rhythm planned for you. It, it, was, it was from day one in the created order that there would be this evening and this, and this morning. There would be this, this time with, that you would have w- with God. It, it, it is part of his, his kingdom economy. Let me show you how it, how it plays out again in, in Genesis. In Genesis chapter 3, now this, Genesis chapter 3, most of you know, describes the fall of man. And this, this actually happens, uh, this, this part of the narrative we see happens after Adam and Eve have sinned. And they're trying to, to hide from God. But, but look, because it, it tells us something about a rhythm of life that seems to be there. In verse, uh, chapter, verse 8 of chapter 3, it says, And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, kind of the evening. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? 
Now, I know that this is a little bit implied, uh, and you may say, well, Joe, you, I don't see it there. You're reading between the lines, and I, I will tell you that I am. But what, part of what I see in that verse is this. There seemed to be a rhythm, an expected and anticipated rhythm, that they would be spending time with God. It was this part of the day, the cool of the day, and, and God apparently came looking for them. God came looking to be with them. To enjoy fellowship with this man and this woman, with Adam and Eve. God, God longed for that. And we know throughout the whole of scripture, God continues to long for that. There is this rhythm of evening and morning. There is this rhythm of resting in God, trusting in God, experiencing a depth of relationship with God. And God's plan is that that would begin everything that we do. Everything would flow out of that. See, God walked with them. God's very presence was with them. And God's intent was that they would, they would be revived in that. They would be rejuvenated in that. They would be refreshed in that time together so that they could go out the next day. And out of that, their work could flow. See, most of us, our rhythm of thinking is this. What I need to do is get some rest from my work. I wear myself out and now I, now I need some rest. The rhythm of God's design in creation is this, that I would rest in him, I would trust in him, I, I would live in him, and out of that I would be re-energized to accomplish work, I, to accomplish fruitful labor, to, to make a difference, to have, to do good works. See, when, when we begin to, to swap those around, when we, when we begin to, 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 to move work to rest and rest to work, what happens is we start confusing the whole rhythm of life and we start get becoming more about doing and we get stuck in work. We, 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 we just, we, we focus on do and we start looking at ourselves for what we can accomplish and our value of ourselves, our identity begins to flow out of that. And not only that, we begin looking at each other and we start thinking, wonder what that person can do for me. What can I get out of that person that will help me achieve my goals? It, it becomes all about doing. And so we, we, we slip over into the, the, uh, this place of sin where we become more about hu being human doings than human beings. And God created us to be with him. You know, our, our doing, our work was supposed to be a strategic part of, of a life rhythm. It's, our rest is supposed to be primary. Our fruitfulness, our, our labor, our work is supposed to be secondary. And when they get misplaced, life becomes unmanageable. Life, we, we, there's, there's this train wreck and what happens first is we're out of sync with God. Now, if you remember what we read a moment ago in Genesis chapter 1, on the sixth day... God created man and woman. He created mankind in his image, the Bible says. That is an extremely important concept to understand as it relates to this rhythm. It's very important to grasp why this, this image thing is so important. Now, in, in our day and time, when most of us, how many of you have more than one mirror in your house? Okay. How many of you have ever taken a selfie? Okay. All of those are kind of images. 
You know, th those give us images of ourselves. When we think, when we read this, oftentimes we think that's the, the idea of an image. We think of like a picture. We think of like a reflection. But there's actually a better word that's probably much more in keeping with the original language and the original intent. When, you know, when Moses wrote this, not a lot of mirrors hanging in tents. Okay? Not, not a lot of selfies going on out there. Okay, it, it, it had a different big idea. And the big idea that Moses was conveying when he wrote this word image is that God, when he formed man from the dust of the ground, remember everything else that God created, he spoke and it came. You get to mankind, the Bible says he formed man from the dust of the ground. God got his hands dirty. God put his print, his handprint, an impression of himself on his creation us. We're the only ones where that impression is made. Human beings. We bear the mark, the touch of God. Now here's what happened when Adam and Eve chose to sin. They began trying to pull themselves away from that impression. To pull themselves away from that hand. To pull themselves away from, from that which made this imprint on their lives. And then what they began doing was trying to fill that impression with something else. Now guess what? You have to. I have to. Every human being on the planet has pulled away from God. Marring that image and we've tried to go back and fill it with other stuff. And because of that, Jesus had to come to, 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 to restore this. And the reason that this is so important to understand when it comes to this, this rhythm of life is because what we're trying to do in that resting time is have that imprint formed and forged again. To, to have that, that place back. See, th this pulling away caused a, a rip in that di divinely inspired rhythm of life. And it has deformed in us the way to do life. It has messed up just the, the whole rhythm of life. And that's why the Bible says when the time was right, God sent his son. God sent his son to redeem, to restore. And part of that restoration was to restore this rhythm of life. And Jesus spent so much of his ministry doing that. To restore humanity back to God's original intent. And that was part of Jesus' primary mission through his ministry. Do you remember how Jesus began his ministry? Remember what, kind of what the starting point of his public ministry was? He got baptized. He got baptized. And at his baptism, John the Baptist proclaimed him to be the, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. He, he proclaimed him to be that. What did Jesus do next? Did Jesus get a tent and start an evangelism meeting? The Bible says that Jesus went on a 40-day retreat. Now, everybody else in this, in this work focus, everybody else who gets rest and fruitfulness mixed up would have started with fruitful. They would have bought them a tent. They, they would have got loudspeakers, you know. They'd have tried to get them a good band and they'd have gone on the road. Not Jesus. What Jesus did was Jesus said, in order for my ministry to matter, I got to be with my father. In order for my life to count, I've got to get in the right rhythm. And I have got to go and rest. I've got a Sabbath. I've got to, I've got to 
engage deeply in fellowship with my father or I will be incapable of carrying out fruitful ministry. This is the, the imprint of, of Jesus' ministry. Um, think about some of the big decisions that Jesus made. One of the biggest was the selection of the 12. By, by that time, Jesus had hundreds of people literally following him around. They would have been called his disciples in that day. But the Bible tells us that when Jesus, the, the day before Jesus was getting ready to make that incredibly huge decision of who he would invest his remainder of his life in so that he could, he could send them out to spread the gospel, the Bible says that evening, Jesus went up on a mountain. He sent everybody else away. Jesus went up on a mountain to be alone with his father. And the Bible says he prayed that evening and he prayed that night and he prayed into the morning. He was alone with his father before he made this incredible decision of who the 12 would be, who he would invite into a relationship that was so deep that he could then send them out with the message of the gospel to carry on his kingdom work. That was, that was Jesus' rhythm. And Jesus, on the, on the night before he would die... On the night he would go to the, before he would go to the cross, he did some of his greatest teaching that is recorded in the scripture on this rhythm. If you have your Bibles, you may want to turn to John chapter 15. It's going to come up on the, on the screen. But in John chapter 15, Jesus adds what I, what I want to call the new covenant language to this mission. Uh, the, to this rhythm of life. He, he has this new covenant language. So if you have your Bibles, uh, open to John chapter 15. We're going to start reading in verse 1. Read the first eight verses. Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you were clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, Whatever you wish shall be done for you. By this is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. What Jesus is doing is he's giving new language to this, this old rhythm. And he starts by saying what you and I, our role, our primary responsibility, our real work, what we're responsible for is abiding. We're primarily responsible for resting. We're primarily responsible for arranging our life that, that there are these the Sabbath moments where we're deep in fellowship with God, where we're deeply connected to our Father, that that is the rhythm of our life. And Jesus said it this way. He said that he was the vine, we're branches. He, he's saying, I am the source of life. You have to stay connected with me. And he spoke of his Father. He said that his Father is the one. He said, my dad is the vine dresser. My dad owns the vineyard. And guess what my dad is doing? What does a vine dresser do? He does the work in the vineyard. See, it's not, it's not the work that I'm doing. My dad is doing the work. Our heavenly father is the one doing the work. It's his vineyard. Boy, we get this messed up. We start thinking it's our vineyard that I got I to gotta get it done. I gotta do. Jesus said, hold on, slow your roll. My father 
is the vine dresser. He's the owner of this vineyard. He's the one working it. Your job is to stay connected. Your job is to abide in me. This is, this is your primary work. And then when you abide, when you let the Father do his work, guess what happens? Then we're fruitful. There's fruitfulness. Jesus uses that same language back from the original uh, creative narrative, creation narrative. This is, uh, once again, we have this opportunity to be fruitful, for our lives to count, for us to be engaged in, in the kind of human flourishing that God has always intended, but it only comes as we cling to him. As we abide in him, as we Sabbath in him. And out of that, we can become fruitful. But see, most of us, most of us desire good works in our lives. Most of us want our lives to matter, to count. But we go at it the wrong way. We start aiming at, at the works. We, we start going after this. But see, to be, to be productive in this life... To, to get that sense that what we're doing actually matters in the grand scheme of things. This idea of being fruitful all starts with, with, with abiding. Jesus told us here that if, if, if we abide, that part of God's vision for us is that you would bear what kind of fruit? Much, mega, a lot of fruit. God, God looks at you and his desire is that your life would be significant. That you would make significant impact on this planet and, and in this world. That you would be incredibly fruitful. And Jesus said, because in this your Father is glorified. And God wants, wants to, to be glorified through your life. He wants fruitfulness to happen. But the only way that will come is if we get caught up in the original rhythm that God had intended. And so Jesus goes a little bit further in helping us grasp what this vision is and how this rhythm works. And Jesus shows us something else. Now, uh, the, the language that I'm going to use here, one of the words is not in what Jesus said in John 15, but it is in there. And it's this. Jesus said, when you abide in me, what will naturally flow out of that is you will grow. It talks about, it talks about a vine moving from bearing fruit to bearing much fruit. The only way a vine can go from bearing fruit to bearing much fruit is if it grows. And so we see Jesus teaching that this is the, the growth experiences that we abide in him and we grow. Now here's, here's the mistake most of us make. Most of us think that growth is about the fruit. The outside stuff. Spiritual growth is about inside stuff. It's what allows you to then bear fruit. But here's God's rhythm. You abide in Christ. You start growing. You start bearing more fruit. And then what did Jesus say God comes along and does? He prunes. He cuts some of that fruit away. And the reason that God prunes our lives is so that we will swing back and abide in him. And when we abide in him, we grow more. Our roots go down deeper. Our, that, that, that branch gets thicker. More nutrients flow through it. And as we are growing, then we can become even more fruitful. And out of that grateful fruitfulness, God does what? He prunes that, which isn't the best for our lives at that time. And it pushes us back to abide again. 
and we abide. And in our abiding, we grow more significantly. And out of that more significant growth, we can bear even more fruit so that we are able to glorify God by the amount of fruit that we bear. All of that hinges on this life rhythm. All of that is a movement that God designed in creation. That, that, all of that. And every aspect of our lives needs to be captured by that rhythm. Even church. You know, one of the, one of the great tensions and struggles and pains in church life oftentimes is, and, and you'll hear about the 20-80 kind of rule where 20% of the people doing, you know, 80% of the work. Um, and, and we have a lot of people who serve in a lot of ministries and we give thanks to God for that. But sometimes, some people, especially those who serve in our hidden ministries that you don't see a lot, there are some people who serve in hidden ways every single Sunday morning, back in the back, in ways that aren't visible. Most of them in our River Kids ministry, our student ministries, other ministries that you may not see very often. And they're there week in and week out, and they need rest. And so, part of what the, the elders began doing months ago, and it's actually something we've been trying to get better at for several years now, is giving uh, our volunteer ministry partners some rest from the labor that they're doing. Did you know that God, God decided dirt needed to rest? Do you know that? In the scriptures, in Leviticus, it's going to come up on the screen. In Leviticus chapter 25, the Bible tells us, God was, God was teaching them about good farming principles. He said, in the seventh year, the land is to have a Sabbath of rest, a Sabbath to the Lord. God said, even dirt needs a break. Now, if dirt needs a break, how much more do we? Need a break. We need a rest. We need a Sabbath. And so here's what, here's the decision that the elders made. We started making it a few months ago and everything has come into play. We're going to scale back to one service the entire month of July. We're going to have one service every Sunday in July at 10.30. We're going to gather together. We're going to fellowship together. We're going to worship together. We're going to be God's people together. Other people, other volunteers who have been screened are going to be serving in our river kits. And so there's, there's some details in the newsletter about this, what that's going to look like. Um, if you have preschoolers, uh, you will take them straight to the preschool rooms like you normally do. But if you have a, a child who's K-5 through 5th grade, to start with, you're going to bring them in here. And we're all going to worship together. We're going to celebrate God together. And then kind of at teaching time, the, 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 the children are then going to go back with some other of our volunteers, um, again, who have been screened, just like our, our, the ones who serve every week. And they're going to go back with them and, and be discipled. And they will continue on in, in what we're teaching on. And right now my plan is to do that, that that July that what we're going to do is just really focus on Jesus stories. And we're just going to look at encounters with Jesus. So I hope you'll make plans to be here for that. It's going to, going to be a great time. But what it does is it, it gives to our church this rhythm of rest. That is so very, very important that we've got, to, we've got to be captured by that. We've got to make room for God that way. And that's what we're wanting to provide for uh, many of our volunteers who serve every single week. It's helping us get into this rhythm. Now, one of the reasons why I wanted to address this today is because uh, fathers have a strength of impression of imprinting on the lives of their kids that God the Father has on all of us. And 
so often fathers don't recognize that power, that impressing power, that imprinting power. And it is caught up in this same rhythm. And so here's what, I'm, here's what I want you to be captured by today. Is fathers, earthly dads like you and me, and parents, not just dads, but parents, we need to create space for our children to rest well if they're going to flourish. We need to create space in our homes and in our family lives where our kids can rest in us, can trust in us, can have fellowship with us. Now all of that is so that we can point them back to their heavenly father. But they, they, they need that space. Or they will probably never get into that rhythm. That flourishing life rhythm that God created back in day one. Time to be with him. And there are four things that I want to close on. I'm going to move through these really quickly. But four things that I see that kind of both work from the vantage point of our father's impression in us, our heavenly father, and dad's impressions in their kids. And here's the first one, it's this. The one in whom we find real rest always forms and forges our identity. Whoever it is that we are finding real rest in, they will, they will help form and forge our identity. Dads especially, please hear me say this. You play a primary role in the formation and the forging of how your kids view themselves. Now some of you are like me and that scares you to death because you know how imperfect you are. But what that means is God trusts you. And he wants you to pick it up. And if you've screwed it up till now, take it up. Do it differently now. Pick it up. And, and reform and start pointing them to the rhythm of life that God designed so that their image that may be deformed can be reformed in Christ. Help just keep pointing them to Christ. I spent, yesterday was a weird day. Um, I spent three hours at Charleston County Jail that morning from like 10 to 1. And then that evening I got a call and ended up at a um, nursing care facility. And while I was there at Charleston County Jail for those three hours, I watched, I, I wish I had counted, but I watched numerous families. A mom, it was mostly a mom. Every now and then it looked like grandparents with some little kids. But a mom with a couple little kids would come in they would go to the counter and something would happen and then they would leave. And I, I found out, I, I asked what, what was going on and what they were doing was they were, they were putting money on accounts mostly for dads who were incarcerated. And so what that told me in, in the life of these kids is that impression maker is absent from their home. It's not present in their home. And it just, you know, washed over me. What does that mean for these kids? And probably more than likely the one that's incarcerated, their impression maker wasn't there. The, the, nobody provided for them this place of rest, this place of Sabbath, this place of hope and trust and peace. 
And my heart just broke. And then that evening, I was next to the bed with a husband and the adult kids of a lady who was walking out of this life and into her reward. And I don't have time to go into it this morning, but it is one of the most beautiful love stories you will ever see being lived out. Um, has been literally for years now. But there was something incredible there because this, this man and woman, though she couldn't speak now and, and is just hanging on, they had created a place of rest for their kids. And they were with them there. And it was incredibly beautiful. Now, th th that couple, they had challenges in life. In their early days, things were messy. It wasn't perfect and beautiful and smooth. There were bumps along the way. But they kept pressing into this rhythm. They kept creating space. They kept believing that, you know, God has a rhythm for life. And we need to keep resting in him and kept bringing our children here. And this is what their life looked like. And those were like two polar opposites of what I was seeing. And I just, I, it was like I couldn't believe, it would just shock me. But here's the deal. Whoever you find your real rest in will be the one who forms and forges your identity. A second one, real quick. The one in whom we find real rest in will always do this. They will always accept you as you are, but never be content to leave you there. The one that you find real rest in will always accept you just as you are in this moment today, but will never be content to leave you there. God accepts you as you are right where you are today, but he is never content to leave you that way. I don't care how good your walk is today. He has something better for you. And the only way to access that is to continue to rest in him. A third way that I just want to highlight. The one in whom we find real rest is who we ultimately turn to in times of trouble. The one in whom you find real rest. Jesus said, everybody who's weary, everybody who's laid, heavy laden, come to me and I will give you rest. I will give you uh, the, the, the kind of support and encouragement and strength you need. And, and here's the reality uh, uh, about that. That's why, that's why we run back to Jesus when we're in trouble. And the truth is, dads, if you will be the kind of dad that creates a place of rest for your kids, a place of abiding, a, 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 this place of hope and peace and, and uh, trust, when kids get in trouble, they, they're going to stray some. But when they get in trouble, if they have found rest in you, in your, their relationship with you, they will come back to you. They will turn back to you when they're in trouble. Last, last thing, just insight here is this, is the one in whom we find real rest will always be ready to receive you back again. The one that you find real rest in will always welcome you back. No matter what you've done, who you did it with, how long you did it, he will always receive you back. We see that when Jesus was trying to help us get a picture of what God our Father's like and he told the story of the prodigal son. And he just, this is what he's like. He will always receive, no matter how much you have disrespected him, he will receive you back. No matter how much you have rejected him or how far away you got, he will receive you back. Dads, hear me, please. You gotta have a heart that is always willing to receive a child back. Now that doesn't mean that you become a doormat for bad behavior, 
But it does mean you receive them back and your heart is open to them. Because your heavenly Father's heart is always open to you. Let's pray. Father, we come thanking you for this gospel, this good news about rhythm in life that you have given. That you created from the beginning for, for humans to flourish in. But God, I think all of us would just stand before you and confess there are places where we've blown it. There's places where we've, we've switched those gifts. We've tried to put fruitfulness and doing ahead of resting, abiding, being with you, oh God. Forgive us. Help us rearrange that. Help us make that big swap back. Help us realize, God, that your primary call on our lives is to rest in you, to trust in you, to be with you, to abide in you. To do that on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, and even longer periods of time when you call us to it. God, help us get caught up in that creative, original plan of yours. And Father, help that inform how we parent. Help that inform how we live as dads who shepherd our families, God. Help us model it first of all and then live it out with our kids, with our spouses, with the people around us. And God, I pray now as we come to this moment in our service, Lord, I, there may be somebody here who for the very first time realized you have always intended that their life flourish. And they didn't know, they didn't know how. They didn't know there was hope in Jesus. And, and, and right now, God, they've, they've heard Jesus say, come. And they want to come. And right where you're at, all you've got to do is, is do this. You can just go to the Father and say, God, I, I realize I have, I have pulled away. I've pulled away from your imprint on my life, and I've tried to fill it with so many other things, and it does not work. And so I come believing that Jesus died to give me a pathway the right, the ability to come back. And so I come. And the Bible says if you call on Jesus' name with that as the intent of your heart, you'll be saved. And you can get on that pathway of restoration to the original plan that God has for your life to flourish. Most of us in this room just need it to be reminded. Most of us at some time or other have made the big switch and we need to switch them back put those gifts in their proper perspective and live out of the rhythm of God that he had in mind when he created us. And Jesus, we come thanking you for modeling that for us. We, we, we come thanking you that you made it possible for our fellowship with your Father to be restored by your great sacrifice on the cross. We give thanks. And we come giving thanks by giving back to you what's yours, your tithes. We come giving offerings to you to celebrate that so that the knowledge of that, the gospel can go forth. And we come to give you our worship, God, because you alone are worthy of worship. You alone are the one in whom we find our rest, our, our Sabbath, our strength, our renewal. So God, I pray that as we worship you, we will experience that. Thanks for listening. 
If you're in North Charleston this Sunday, please consider visiting us at our 9 o'clock or 1130 services. We'd love to see you. Again, for more information, visit riverbluff.org. Now go change the world.